Let's open in prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity we have to gather here today. We ask that you would bless this time that we're going to spend to remember and honor the sacrifices of so many brave men and women. Give everything so others might live. Father, we know for those of us who are alive, this is going to be emotional and it's going to be hard. You challenge us to do hard things all the time. And so we ask for your blessing over this time that we spend remembering the heroes of September 11, 2001. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The message today is the heroes of 9-11 and 20 years later. What I'd like to do is we're going to go through some of those heroes. We can't do them all. There's too many to count. I've chosen some that I thought would be good for us to think about 20 years later. This is a picture of Deputy Chief Ray Downey, member of the FDNY. Deputy Chief Ray Downey had been a United States Marine. He was the, was the chief in charge of the Spe Special Operations Command for the FDNY. He's one of the most decorated members of the FDNY. He was a panel member on the Gilmore Commission, a founding member of the FEMA Urban Search and Rescue Team. He was the FEMA Operations Chief at, o at the Oklahoma City bombing. He was known worldwide as the leading authority on the response to catastrophic events. The day of September 11th, 2001, he'd been married to his wife, Rosalie, for 40 years. He had five children and nine grandchildren. On 9-11, Chief Downey was seen in the ruins of the Marriott World Trade Hotel after the collapse of the South Tower. He was seen trying to help a man with an injured leg. He was also reported to have been seen heading toward the north end of the hotel, telling firefighters to flee before the collapse of the North Tower. It's believed that he was killed by the collapse of the North Tower as he was trying to warn his firefighters to get out. This is Fire Marshal Ron Buka, FDNY. Fire Marshal Ron Buka joined the U.S. Army at the age of 17. He was a member of the FDNY for 23 years. He had fallen five stories during a rescue years earlier, which resulted in many injuries, including a broken back. He returned to work a year later after doctors told him he would likely never return to the FDNY. He was a member of the Joint Terrorism Task Force. He had remained an Army Reservist as a Green Beret with the 11th Special Forces Group and the Defense Intelligence Agency. He believed the World Trade Center would be attacked again and kept their blueprints in his fire department locker. On 9-11, he entered the South Tower after it had been hit. He made it to the 78th floor of the tower via the stairs. It is believed that no firefighter made it higher in the South Tower than Fire Marshal Ron Buka. His turnout jacket was found in the debris of the towers near several civilian victims. He was the first fire marshal line of duty death in the history of the FDNY. This is a picture of Captain Patty Brown, FDNY. Captain Patty Brown served in the Marine Corps during Vietnam, where he had spent 13 months in country. He served as the commander of Rescue One. He was one of the most decorated officers in the FDNY. 
He was on Rescue One on May 14, 1991, when one of the most famous rescues in the history of the FDNY occurred. You may have seen a picture of the rescue before. Captain Patty Brown is not the one holding on to that victim. He's right there. Captain Brown and the members of FDNY did was there was no place to anchor their ropes to rescue two civilians that had gone on the ledge because of a fire. The building was under renovations. There was no place to anchor. So they made themselves human anchors in order to lift lower down another member to rescue those two. That's Captain Brown, right there on the ledge of the building. On 9-11, he was the captain of Ladder Company 3. Ladder 3 responded to the North Tower. Captain Brown gave a phone report that was recorded from the 35th floor of the North Tower. It said this, Dispatch Captain Brown from Ladder 3. I'm at the World Trade Center. I'm on the 35th floor, okay? Just related to the command post, there's numerous, we're trying to get up, you know. There's numerous civilians in all stairwells. Numerous burn injuries are coming down. I'm trying to send them down first. Apparently it's above the 75th floor. I don't know if I got there, if they got there yet, okay? This is truck three and we're still heading up, all right? Thank you. There's a quote from an NPR interview with Deputy Chief Jay Jonas, who was also in the North Tower on 9-11. He survived. This is what he said he heard over the radio. Captain Brown's, likely Captain Brown's last words. I think of one of the radio transmissions between Chief Pete Hayden and Captain Patty Brown. Chief Hayden is talking to him as we're coming down the stairs and I'm hearing this over the radio. Pete Hayden is calling Captain Patty Brown on the radio. He says, command post, ladder three, get out of the building. Get out of the building. And Patty Brown gets on the radio. And he says, I refuse the order. Which is unbelievable, you know, that somebody would say that. He says, I refuse the order. I'm up here on the 44th floor, and I've got too many burnt people with me. I'm not leaving them. For those of you who've never served in the armed forces, police or fire, or paramilitary, paramilitary organization. The only time you refuse an order is when you believe that order will put your life in peril. Captain Brown did the opposite. He refused an order that likely would have saved his life. But was it true to him or the oath he had taken? serve and protect the citizens of the city of New York. Captain Brown and all of the men from Ladder 3 and all the people they were treating died in the collapse of the North Tower. This is a picture of the Vice President of Corporate Security, Rick Riscola. 
Blickett became a British paratrooper as a teenager. He served as an intelligence officer and with Her Majesty's Colonial Force. He worked as a detective in the Flying Squad at Scotland Yard. He came to the United States at 24 and served in Vietnam as a second lieutenant in Bravo Company of the 2nd Battalion of the 7th Cavalry. He earned the Silver Star, the Purple Heart, the Bronze Star in Vietnam. Got his bachelor's and master's in literature before attending law school. He taught criminal justice for a while before entering corporate security. He was the vice president of corporate security at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter and Company. On 9-11, he was supposed to be on vacation, but he let one of his employees take the time off instead. He worked in the South Tower from floors 44 to 74. He helped evacuate 2,687 people from his company. He had developed the evacuation plan that was used on 9-11. He was seen as high as, the, as floor 72 and was last seen returning up the tower on floor 10 for, before its collapse. There were only three employees and two other security guards from the company that died on 9-11. That's Rick Riscola, George Velasquez, and Godwin Ford. All three gave their life on 9-11 so that others might live. You see that picture. You should see heroes. You see anything different, you would reevaluate how you view the world. I'll tell you something maybe you don't know. But none of those men were born in this country. They immigrated here. They gave their lives in the service of this country. It's a picture of Frank Martini and Pablo Ortiz. Frank Martini and Pablo Ortiz were Port Authority employees. Both men worked on the 88th floor of the North Tower. Frank was able to find Stairwell C after the building was struck and was able to get everybody out of his office. Pablo stays with him to help clear the rest of the floor. The men cleared the floor and then hear noises coming from the 89th floor above them. The two men, along with Mac Hanna, helped free those trapped on floor 89. Frank and Pablo then clear the 89th floor. Mac helps a man down the stairs. They find more people trapped on the other side of the floor and free them. Two men continue up the stairs looking for trapped people. The men deploy fire hoses and try to knock down pockets of fire. They're able to get to and free more people on the 91st floor. And after over 30 minutes of searching, the men head down the stairs. The men free more people on their way down the stairs, and they help free a man trapped in an elevator on the 78th floor. Both men die, and the North Tower collapses. These two men alone rescued 77 people. It's a picture of the heroes on Flight 93. Flight 93 was a Boeing 757 headed from Newark to San Francisco. There's 37 passengers and seven crew members on board. At 9.28 a.m., the hijacking began by the four terrorists on the plane. 9.31 a.m., passengers are told there's a bomb on board that they were returning to the airport. Tom Burnett hears about the World Trade Center, and he calls home. 
At 9.35 a.m., the plane turns south and climbs to 40,700 feet. At 9.39 a.m., terrorists tell people to remain seated, remind them that there is a bomb on board. At 9.45 a.m., the FAA grounds all flights in the United States. At 9.47 a.m., Jeremy Glick tells his wife the passengers have voted and are going to attack the hijackers. Sandra Bradshaw calls her husband and tells him she is getting pitchers of hot water ready to use on the hijackers. At 9.58 a.m., Todd Beamer ends a phone call saying that they are going to, quote, jump the hijacker in the back who has the bomb. His last words are, are you ready, guys? Let's roll. Ten oh three AM, flight ninety-three crashes in an empty field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, killing everyone on board, but no one else. September eleventh, two thousand and one, two thousand nine hundred and seventy-seven people lost their lives. Two hundred and forty-six were those were on the four planes. 2,606, the Twin Towers. 125, the Pentagon. Now there were some victims who were pregnant, but the youngest victim who was alive on earth, walking around and could talk, was two. And the oldest was 82. But 77 different countries is wrong. I did a little more digging. There were actually victims from over 90 separate countries who died of 9-11. We can argue and complain, but you tell me where else in the world that you're going to find people from 90 different countries in two buildings. It's one of the things that makes this great nation so great. We are a melting pot. 441 of the victims were first responders, those who rushed in when everybody else was rushing out. There were an estimated 17,400 people in the towers that morning. The question we have to ask ourselves is what is it? What is it that makes a person put their own safety, their own well-being second, and the safety and well-being of another? The first responders, the security guard, they had taken an oath. And while I'm sure none of them wanted to die that day, I bet you if you gave them a chance, they'd do it all over again. Because they had a job to do. They did it. Remarkably well. For those of you who aren't fire service nerds like myself, you may not realize that this was the, and is the largest rescue operation any fire department has ever done in the history of the fire service. What made those flight attendants, those civilians, stop and help? Help that person down the stairs in those towers decide that we're not going to let this plane get to its destination, even if it costs us our life. The 
question we have to ask ourselves is what is it that makes a person a hero? In my opinion, we use that word far too often. When we use it far too often, it loses its power. The answer, I believe, one of the answers, might be not the only answer, is the willingness to sacrifice. The willingness to put others before ourselves. The giving of oneself without considering personal gain or well-being. Now, some sacrifices we make in life are great and some are small. The sacrifices that we saw made on 9-11-2001 were great because many paid with their life. Some sacrifices that we make on a regular basis are small. But I would argue that if you don't make the small sacrifices when it's time to make the big one, you won't be able to make it either. You may know this already, but most of the engines that responded to the Twin Towers from the FDNY were riding what they call heavy. See, what the, the terrorists didn't know is that they struck those buildings right at ship change. And the firefighters who had been there all night were supposed to go home, and the firefighters that were coming in were coming in. You know what the firefighters who were supposed to go home did? They didn't go home. They could have. I'm off the clock. It's not my problem. But they would have betrayed everything that makes them who they are if they did. Firefighters that were at home, paramedics, EMTs, police officers who were watching on TV could not sit idly by. So before they were called, they responded, some of whom died. They could have just stayed home, but really they couldn't because that's not who they are. That's not what makes them tick. That's not what makes them great. One last question, and we'll be done. The question we ask ourselves, each and every one of us today, and every day, should be, have we forgotten? When I ask that question, I'm not talking about just mentally remembering something. I don't think that's enough. It's asking the question, do our lives show that we have not forgotten? So I'm going to list some things as a litmus test. And some of them might hurt your feelings. Your feelings will heal. Do you no longer talk to a friend or a family member to say who they voted for in this last election? Do you view people based on the color of their skin, the country they immigrated from, or the language that they speak? If you have written someone off because they won't wear a mask, or because they do. Because they got the vaccine, or if they won't. If you resort to calling people names, and they don't agree with you. If you're constantly screaming about your freedom without taking the responsibilities that come with that freedom. If you look around at everything you have, and you still need more. We don't wake up every day and thank God that you and I live in this country, that you literally hit the jackpot because you live in probably the freest and wealthiest 
nation the world has ever known. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you that I think we have done what we promised we wouldn't do. We've forgotten. We've forgotten how we felt on the morning of September 11, 2001. We've forgotten how we felt on September 12, 2001. In the days and months that followed as we came together as a nation. Have we were able to put aside our differences? Have we united ourselves under the stars and stripes? The red, the white, and the blue. And we have no one to blame but ourselves. I believe that as we honor and remember the 20th anniversary of 9-11, it's the job of those of us who remember the day to act like we remember it. It's our responsibility to teach and explain to those who are too young to remember. It's time for us to act like we remember. It's time for us to keep the pledge that we made to never forget. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. <clears throat> Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these commandments. May we live and love in a way that shows the world that we will never forget. <clears throat>